It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From Fox News, it's The Campaign with Brett Baer. Last week, Democrats took the first steps in advancing President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus aid plan without Republican support, voting 50 to 49 in the Senate to open debate on a fiscal 2021 budget resolution. Meanwhile, the second Senate impeachment trial of former President Trump is set to take place, but the length of the trial and whether witnesses will be included still unknown factors. We'll start there with our panel. Anchor of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream co-host of Outnumbered, Emily Campagno, and political editor at National Journal, Josh Kraschauer. Let's start with the COVID relief, uh, Shannon. There, there seems to be, uh, despite you know the efforts of at least some talking about it, like Senator Joe Manchin, that there was going to be some bipartisan effort. Just judging by the way the votes have gone and how it's shaping up, it seems to be just a party line operation. Yeah, it does for now. Um, they're using a reconciliation method, which essentially means that they don't have to get to that second, uh, the 60 second, 60 vote threshold that they would have had in the Senate to move things forward. Uh, it's pretty much majority vote. And they've got that in the House and the Senate with the tie-breaking vote of Vice President Kamala Harris over in the Senate. So when they had this huge voting all through the night thing the other day on the amendments, it really drew the partisan lines. Um, Democrats did stick together on a number of big things, including um, Senator Tim Scott, Republican out of South Carolina. One of his amendments was to block more federal money going to states that are under investigation for underreporting nursing home deaths. And every Democrat voted against that. So we can see there's talk of bipartisanship, but when the rubber meets the road, the Democrats are sticking together on voting on things like they did on the COVID relief bill. Yeah. One thing, Josh, uh, that people don't really realize, I don't think, is when they do these overnight voterama things with uh, amendments that they talk about Republicans and Democrats getting together, Susan Collins and Joe Manchin, others, uh, about specific amendments that seem like they're common sense and they pass 99 to 1 or, you know, some ridiculous uh, amount of pass, passage votes, uh, and then Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, gets on the floor at the end of the long overnight thing and says, you know what, we're going to disregard all the amendments. We're going to go back to the main budget resolution. So yeah, it erase, erases everything. It's basically just kind of for show. Yeah, these, these Votorama uh, all-nighters uh, end up being symbolic and end up being used in campaign ads in the future, but often don't really reflect the ultimate legislation that gets passed or proposed by leadership. Um, but but Shannon is right that the overall contours of this package are very partisan. There's been very little indication that this administration ever wanted to meet halfway or even meeting a quarter of the way with where Republicans were on the scope and size of, of the bill. And uh, it means politically that this White House, Joe Biden, has decided it's worth sort of owning the economy and the state of the pandemic going forward without trying to get any kind of Republican buy-in. If things go bad, if the economy uh, doesn't heal as fast as the administration hoped, or if there's inflation, like uh, Obama's a former economic advisor, Larry Summers, has cautioned, this is all going to be on, on Biden and the Democrats, and I could expose them uh, in, in, in a couple of years in the midterms if things don't go every, every way they wanted to. Yeah. Meanwhile, Emily, we're seeing this reopen schools push uh, really take 
heed. I mean, it's really gaining steam as parents are frustrated, school districts, some teachers are frustrated, but teachers unions are keeping them out in different cities. The president talking about that over the Super Bowl interview with CBS saying he wants to open, but open safely. Do you think President Biden is going to be called on to get more involved in this particular element? I think he has been up until now. People are calling for him to take a harder stance. But I think as OpenSecrets.org has recently published, it was clear that the teachers unions overwhelmingly supported then candidate Joe Biden. And so to some, his critics are arguing, look, clearly the money is being put where his mouth is, meaning that he's capitulating to these unions that when he keeps saying safely, he sort of is, is refusing to take that hard line that the parents argue Where's where you know where's your support for us? Um, and I think it's interesting to see as the conversation has unfolded that the lines aren't as drawn as they were in the beginning. So we had, for example, Mayor Lightfoot of Chicago saying, you know, for those children that look like me with backgrounds like mine, talking about children of color with low income, non privileged backgrounds, she says this is hitting them the hardest. Enough is enough. And so the argument then that his his then campaign had and now his administration has one focusing on equity between classes and erasing any type of gap between those with privilege and those without the argument goes this is widening that gap even further by keeping these kids out of school especially with all of those ancillary support factors and so again he needs to have that push for there to come to resolution and for those kids to come back to school asap yeah shannon i'm it is a political albatross potentially uh, if you have suburban moms looking at Biden saying you can't stand by the teachers union. You know, it, it's, it's frustrating, but it's uh, the science seems like it's pretty settled. And you had the CDC director with a background of CDC saying, yeah, it's, it's safe to go without teachers getting vaccines. And then the White House coming out saying, well, she was speaking as a personal mm-hmm. capacity. It was kind of a big misstep that last week. Yeah. And that was very confusing because she clearly had the backdrop of the CDC literally behind her. Uh, That was the format we thought she was speaking in. You've also got Dr. Fauci out there who has been the person that Democrats have said, let's follow the science. Let's listen to Dr. Fauci. He also is saying there's no evidence that there would be a massive spread among young kids. I think we've got to find ways to get kids back into school. A lot of frustration here from my suburban moms um, in Northern Virginia, outside of DC, who are saying, They're now seeing ads that would be their kids go back to the classroom. The teachers are remote on some type of Zoom device or something else. But the school systems in this area are now talking about hiring adult monitors to then sit in the classrooms with the kids while they watch their teachers who are remote. And, you know, the frustration is, you know, mounting because they say, well, why are these adult monitors lives any less valuable than the teachers lives? If teachers are saying we can't go back because there's a risk. You know, it definitely is one of those things. It's going to be hard for the left and hard for Democrats to continue siding with teachers unions because parents of all ideological backgrounds uh, are now fed up. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that our kids uh, were virtual last week and um, and they had a snow day. (laughs) Somebody explain that one to me. Like, what do you you don't have any trouble getting to your living room because of the snow. Josh, let's talk impeachment here. Uh, We'll start this trial this week, expected four or five days. It's going to look like an impeachment trial, but it seems like neither side really wants to drag this out. Yeah, Brett, I thought it was pretty telling that in the Monday briefing with 
press secretary Jen Psaki, she didn't even want to address any questions about the Trump impeachment, which shows that this is not a political priority for the White House. I'm hearing from Democratic leadership, uh, Chuck Schumer doesn't want to draw this out, doesn't want to have uh, a whole lot of witnesses, a lot of testimony because he fears that it'll be a distraction from the Biden domestic agenda, the stimulus that they're trying to message the, the, this week as well. So, I mean, I, I think there is a weird Democratic consensus that even though the House managers and a lot of House Democrats really want this to be a seminal moment, that this is going to be sort of understated, a week-long trial perhaps, and, and a quick vote. Um, and, and frankly, you know, it's also very anticlimactic. We, we know that there's probably not going to be more than five Republican Senate senators who would even consider conviction. Uh, the same five senators that, that that have been the most vocal critics of, of the former president. So there's a lot of it's, it's like anticlimactic. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of new evidence or information. So this may end up being sort of a political uh, ripple more than a political uh, kind of nuclear bomb in Washington. For, for right. So they get five. They would need 17 uh, to convict. In the meantime, though, the politics of it, Emily, you know, Democrats, will go down the details, uh, minute probably, of January 6th and uh, the days leading up to it and the days after it. And politically, there are some who think that that's going to help the Democratic Party to focus on that. Meantime, Republicans uh, in the defense are going to point back to statements Democrats made supporting riots or turning the other way during that summer riots in various cities. That's exactly right. And I think the same arguments that we are seeing sort of play out in our national culture, as well as on television with talking points, is also the same arguments we're going to see play out in that impeachment trial. So, yes, the the Democrats are arguing that his rhetoric was inflammatory and it was foreseeable that it could lead to this insurrection, that it was because of him that all of this damage and these lives were lost. They can trace it back exactly to that. And the Trump team is sort of arguing a, a threefold argument, but it all comes under their, their strongest argument in their opinion is that this is an unconstitutional proceeding, right? And, and to use their quote of his new 11th hour legal team that it's the weaponization of the impeachment process. And then they're also arguing, they say, but in the alternative, you must vote to acquit on the merits and also the procedural elements within this impeachment. So to the, the points you just made, um, this is suppression of free speech. He was exercising that free speech when he articulated his opinion about election fraud. These rioters had the intent of rioting and, and um, raising an insurrection before they even got to his rally. Uh, and they will say, you know, and, and a lot of little procedural things like, look, there's many charges within this one count. So I think ultimately, however, the Democrats are looking at this as a valuable tool in their toolbox, especially leading up to the midterm elections. But the question remains, as Americans are waiting for their direct cash payments, as businesses remain closed from these lockdowns, if they see their lawmakers engaging on the, in this in a daily basis, what message does that send in terms of the priority that they're not legislating instead? And I think that actually might backfire on the Democrats and have more of a favorable impact on the GOP as we come into the 2022 midterms. Yeah, I, they're going to play videotape. Both sides are. I assume Shannon will hear Chuck Schumer on the steps of the Supreme Court with uh, his his words about Gorsuch and mm-hmm. uh, and and others. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that 
the former president's uh, legal team is going to do is going to talk about words that came from Democratic lawmakers during the riots of 2020, the spring and the summer. They're going to talk about uh, the now Senate majority leader standing on the steps of the Supreme Court saying, you know, there's a you've reaped a whirlwind and, and kind of this big, bizarre, very pointed warning to uh, Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And they're going to so say, much so that Roberts had to come out. He never comes out. Right. Yeah. And, and he, he, he a rarely says anything. And he this whole statement about we won't be bullied. We won't be persuaded by anyone. We're going to do our jobs. So the president's legal team is going to point to that. And I thought interesting, too, a lot of the president, President Trump supporters are pointing to this letter that came out from the U.S. Capitol Police chief who was forced to step down, resigned after the January 6th riot. He sent this long letter to Speaker Pelosi. And part of it, he says, what occurred on January 6th cannot be considered under any circumstances a protest or rally or civil disobedience. This was a well-planned, coordinated, armed insurrection at the United States Capitol. They're going to point to that in other statements, similar statements that show there was communication in advance, these bad actors and people who should be and are in many, many cases facing criminal charges had actually planned these things well in advance of the speech the president gave that day. And he did use the words peaceful, patriotic, and that's going to be uh, the bulk of their case. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Josh, uh, you know, some of the Republicans say you can't impeach a former president. He's already out of office. But to be technical, he was impeached when he was president still. And uh, this trial is falling after he's obviously left office. Yeah, I mean, it's a convenient process argument where many Republicans, most Republicans, I'd argue in the Senate, don't want to defend the former president's actions. But they've been found the, the notion that some constitutional scholars, though I'd argue, it seems like a pretty dis- minority of them, are, are, have made the argument that, that if, if a president is out of office, it's not constitutional. Uh, there was uh, a, a prominent conservative constitutional attorney in, in this week's Washington Post that made the opposite argument. Uh, but, but from a political standpoint, you know, most of the Republican senators don't want to defend Trump on the substance. They'd be much more comfortable arguing this process argument, which, which plays uh, to to you know, the ability to not alienate Republican voters in their home states, but also not have to defend um, some some pretty, pretty uh, bad behavior that the, the former president engaged. Yeah, and I think that that is the conundrum that they're in. The question I have is, is the political power of Donald Trump after this is likely going to be an acquittal again, his second, and does this somehow give him another boost? I think January 6th, Emily changed a lot of things. I think independents and maybe Republicans who voted for Donald Trump because of the policies and not person or the things he said and, and talked about may have been lost to, to that base. But there's still a, a pretty big following for Donald Trump. I agree with you. I think it's undeniable that he still has a very devoted following. I think following January 6th, it's clear, however, that there's a rift in the party of those that see him as the present and the future still, and those that have sought to distance themselves from him very publicly. So obviously, Liz Cheney comes to mind when she specifically said this is the party of Reagan, of Lincoln. It is not the party of Donald Trump. But I think that what the GOP needs to do successfully is 
create a cohesive messaging of what the party is for and have it be broadly attractive, especially to those younger, more diverse population of the country. Because again, as we go into the 2022 midterms, for them to have a, a chance, for them to, to stand a chance of gaining back seats and in fact being the red wave that they're promising, then they can't either ignore the elephant in the room that is Donald Trump, nor can they seek to distance themselves from him. There has to be a way to either include him in the party, include that base still, while also broadly appealing to others. And I think the, the formula is quite simple. However, the strategy of deploying that is probably the harder part. Yeah. Shannon, I mean, there's some Democrats that doesn't seem like they can let go of Trump. They just really want him still to be in the picture and and they go out of their way to do that. This is part of that in this impeachment. But you look at what happened with Marjorie Taylor Greene and the efforts to take her off of a, a committee by doing that. They were successful in the vote, but they also gave her a lot of airtime and a lot of sympathy among you know those people. And I guess the question is whether they're doing the exact same thing heading down this road for impeachment. Yeah. And they have to be careful because with each of these decisions that they make to spotlight former President Trump or Congresswoman Green or, or the actions that they're taking, uh, Republicans are warning them when they're in control again, meaning the GOP, they're going to have a whole new set of tools to use against Democrats. If you're going to say, we can kick your members off of committees, um, they've already signaled that they're going to go after folks like Congresswoman Alan Omar and what they feel have been anti-Semitic and uh, statements. Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who's been out there saying, get in the faces and run people out of gas stations and stores, you know. And it's the same thing with impeachment. You've seen people warning across the political spectrum, left, center, and right, saying, you have to be careful with the standards that you're using here. This person's not in office anymore. Do you want Republicans, when they're in charge, to go after former Democratic lawmakers, whether it's presidents or other people, to say, well, their past conduct doesn't measure up, and so now we can go after everyone. And it's something that it's hard to make people do in Washington in the moment to think about what they're doing to hurt the other party and the fact that it could very much be a tool used against them when the power shifts. Mm -hmm. Josh, last thing, you know, there's obviously a split in the Democratic Party with progressives and more moderate uh, voters, but it seems like the more powerful storyline is what's going to happen to the Republicans ahead of 2022 and that elevator pitch that's being described. Yeah, I mean, you've got House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy trying to keep all of these fractious factions in the same tent by defending Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who has not apologized, doubled down on her support for uh, Trump's impeachment, while also, you know, letting Marjorie Taylor Greene escape without any censure or, or punishment, and, and, and aside from Democrats taking away her committee assignments. that That's the bet that, that you know, the, the party has always had factions that don't agree with each other. That have, that have different ideological views, but it's pretty volatile right now. And, and, and there's harder to find common ground between the more Trump-friendly Republicans and the ones like Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, and others who have been much more outspoken in their criticism of the former president. And if they can't keep this coalition together, they're going to have some real problems heading into the next midterm election. Yeah, we'll follow it. A, a quick uh, promo here. Emily and Shannon took part and they're taking part in this all-star panel event for Children's National. Uh, airs this weekend, the 13th. Go to allstarpanelevent.com and you can see the event as of 5 p.m. on February 13th. Fox Nation's also running it. 
and we're raising money for Children's National, uh, the hospital that saved my son's life. The auction goes online Wednesday, 10 a.m. Great item. So Emily and Shannon, thank you very much for taking part in it. It's fantastic. And you have done such a great job, you and Amy and your family, of using your own really difficult path to help scores and scores of other families. So it's a fantastic way for people to get involved. And there's super fun things in the auction too, all kinds of really unique things. There's no way you could get your hands on anywhere else. So I encourage people to check it out. Allstarpanelevent.com. There you go. Allstarpanelevent.com. Josh, I'm going to rope you in one of these years too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you very much. Well, listen, here's a bit of presidential trivia. On February 12th, 1999, the Senate impeachment trial of President Bill Clinton came to a conclusion. On Article 1, the charge of perjury, 55 senators voted not guilty. Meanwhile, on Article 2, the charge of obstruction of justice, the Senate split evenly. Without the necessary two-thirds majority to convict, President Clinton was acquitted on both charges and was able to serve out the remainder of his term until January 2001. Again, one charge this time in this impeachment trial. That will do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com, wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Shannon, Emily, and Josh, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.